Welcome to the trap. Welcome, welcome to the trap. Welcome to the trap. Welcome, welcome to the trap. Let's go. Zen. Trap. Zen. Trap. Zen. Trap. Zen. Trap. Protect your peace. Protect your energy. Welcome to the Zen Trap. I'm one of your two hosts, Yogi LG. Zen P. And our mission here is to inspire and empower listeners to continually seek internal peace to maximize their personal potential. Uh, we got a special guest today, ZMP. Tell them who we got today. Well, we have a college alumni colleague, for a sure, friend, for sure. pretty much family. We got another black engineering doctorate on the show. Ba, 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 Dr. Ba. Tiffany Smith. So, Dr. Smith here at the Zentrap Podcast, we like for our guests to introduce themselves a little bit differently here. Um, I don't know if I've ever even played this game with you, but uh, you're going to have two minutes to tell your life story from birth until now. It's not a timer up. Uh, We may put our hand up when you kind of like around the area, but uh, don't feel like you're pressured to stop at two minutes. Um, Also... You can include what you want to include, omit what you want to omit, but, uh, you know, just it's a way for us to kind of get you to tell us what uh, you would like to say versus us just asking you questions to start off. So take it away. All right. So Dr. Tiffany Smith, you can call me Dr. Tiff or just call me Tiffany. That's fine, too. Um, Born and raised Richmond, Virginia. Youngest of of three. Um, Raised by my mother and my grandmother. Um, always an overachiever in school, graduated second in high school, um, went to North Carolina A&T after high school. Oh, in high school, I did show choir, which is my life, but Acupro- went to North Carolina A&T, um, graduated with a, a degree in computer engineering. Um, then I left and went to Clemson for a year, a waste of my time. Uh, got started my PhD process there and then transferred to University of Florida where I got my PhD in human-centered computing in 2019. Uh, Same semester I finished there. I started at Lincoln University, another HBCU. Um, Shout out to them. Call it the battle of the first between them and Cheney. But Cheney was established first, but Lincoln was the first degree granting HBCU. So they own that. Um, I'm an assistant professor of computer science there. So this is the English end of year four for me uh hopefully i'll be promoted next year and get my tenure come on tenure. Um, <laughs> um what else um outside of life at school i like to travel travel with these two multiple times sure, um, sure. sky with this guy um what else did i do went to thailand i ate reindeer in norway uh that was something <laughs> um if i'm not at work i'm either at church um trusty over here for real for real they trust me with the money at the church and if i'm not at church i'm at the gym um i have two i have a niece and a nephew no kids of my own do i want them i don't know um single bachelors single (laughs) holler at your girl what's that bachelorette i don't know no i mean it's like bachelors he was talking to the bachelor. oh got you okay yeah um all that jazz and um yeah, that's me. I like to bake. Quick. Oh, I did not. Oh, I didn't know that either. Baking. Make nice. a mean peach cobbler oh. and seafood macaroni and cheese. Okay. And show what? I, huh? I said seafood mac and cheese. Show choir. Oh, show peach. choir. What is show oh, choir? Oh, show choir. Deep down that. 
How do you not know that about her? I know she was in choir. I didn't know it was show choir. What is what? What's the show in front it's of it? Mean? Fake Glee, but yeah. it's singing and dancing simultaneously. It's like music. It was my life. Yeah, <laughs> it was my life for three years, and yeah. I missed it. Actually, I love you. It. Miss it? I do. I love show choir. Were you in gospel choir? Uh, I mind. I mind with the gospel choir and That's it. I remember That's how that. I met Jalon. She was a praise dancer, and yeah. I was a mind. I thought. I, I thought I remembered that. Do you have to put on makeup? Did you? You, yeah, white normally face. white face, not makeup. I still mind, by the way, but yeah. At church? Um, not at my church. When I go home, sometimes I'll mind there. Um, okay, cool. Where did that originate from? The miming for Jesus. I have no idea. I don't. <laughs> I don't have it. That's an excellent question. <laughs> okay. My, and I love the slogan "miming for Jesus." For Jesus, specifically. Um, to get yeah. us started, yeah. Tiff, whether you know or not, our topic for the month is fitness. Um, we're not limited to just talking about that, but we did want to make sure we mentioned that during this show. Definitely knew you had a great fitness journey. Um, sure. So kind of starting from there, when would you say fitness became a big part of your life? And like, when was it like, I guess, what was it for you that made you start taking, I guess, fitness serious, if you want to even say that? Um, so I was active, always active growing up. So like I did major at cheerleading, dancing. So I was always moving. Um, but it wasn't until senior year A&T, after I graduated, I didn't realize my weight had slowly, gradually got put on me until I went to the doctor. Uh, my oh, first year grad school. Fresh, freshman 30? It was, no, at A&T I was good. It was mm. grad school fresh year. Mm. Um, I was like, wow, this is not who I started as. Um, so yeah, um, at Clemson, knew nobody, culture shock, going from 10,000 black kids at A&T to be in one of a handful of 50,000 white kids. Um, perfect time to focus on yourself um, and get your health together. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So that jump started, um, like really I ain't know nobody. So I was in inside my apartment working out, eating right, save money. Cause I was, I ain't got no job. So learning to, I didn't really cook growing up cause my grandma did that. So um, learning to cook and I was cooking the right things. And literally the weight came off that first semester. Um, Probably to like February of that following year. Probably the smallest I had been since when high school. Um, yeah. So what made you like start to take it seriously? It was just realizing that you looked different. Um, did did you feel different uh, when you were up um, in weight? I guess. So I didn't feel different because I didn't really notice until I saw a picture of me um, at my graduation party from Aunt T, and I was like, "Who was that in the chair?" And it was me. Didn't know. Um, so started with purely me just trying to lose the weight. Um, but then with grad school, because the PhD process is so stressful, it became my stress relief. Um, I was like, if I'm going to the gym, I got to focus on my workout. I don't have time to think about this class, this class, the project, nothing. And, um, since then it's been like, I'm habitual four to five times a week, no matter what's going on in my life. I'm at the gym. Okay. Habitual. Habitual. You, I noticed too, just from being your friend, that you, uh, and I don't even want to call it a diet because it's really more so a lifestyle change for you. What made you start changing what you were eating? Because I know you played around with it a little bit to experiment, but uh, what what made you make a, a lifestyle change? And I like that better than diet. Like you literally said, I'm not eating this no more. I'm only eating X, Y, and Z. So when my brother was, my brother got married in 2016. And so um, I was like, oh, I'm going to cut off beef and pork to lose weight for the wedding. Did I lose weight for the wedding? No, because my portion control was horrible. So it didn't matter that I cut out the food. But I still don't eat beef and pork to this day. So it's been like seven years. 
Um, so it initially started as that, and then I was like, I don't miss it as much. Ribs, that was hard. That's why. Um, it was not one. even bacon, nothing. It was just the ribs. The ribs got me for a while. Um, and I was never a steak person, so that was fine. But it wasn't until I think moving here that I actually paid attention to what I was eating type thing. Um, I was always good about being in a gym. That's never going to be my issue. My food was not it. Um, and I noticed once I got that under control, I was good. And so I'm a lot, my mom, she teases me, but I have like a food scale. I use my measuring cups. Um, I use my fitness pal to weigh my stuff. Um, I have macros now for my trainer so that I fall in line with how many, much protein I'm supposed to get, how many carbs or whatever. Um, but that didn't happen until I got to Delaware, probably that I was that serious about watching what I ate. Sheesh, that's that's. I mean, <laughs> that's excellent. So, Did you see any health benefits? Yeah, I, I, that's. Yeah. I guess that's what I was gonna ask. Like, how Did do you, you feel like any it's changes from- impacted you? Like eating um, differently. So I threw away my scale probably when I got to Florida. Um, I was also habitually getting on the scale. It's not good at all. Obsessing. Okay. Um, very much so, and definitely once I got here. So my gym has this fancy in body scale thing, which gives you like your body fat percentage muscle mass, all of that. And so once I started at my gym here, I'm like, I need to start worrying about my pounds because if I gain two pounds of muscle but lose five pounds of fat, I'm okay with going up in weight because I don't see it. Like my clothes are, I haven't really had to go, go up in clothes since I got here. My clothes fit me better. Yeah, the pound, the weight number is going up, but it's also muscle. And so I'm fine with that. Um, I noticed when I first started working out, I think I did too much too quick. And so my knee was trash. My right knee got trash. Um, but over the pandemic, I did running challenges with our dear friend, Joey, the friend of the podcast, Duran. Um, be impactful. Be impactful. <laughs> Shout out, Duran. Sprinkle a piece of you ch- in everything you do. Leave a piece that, of you in everything slogan? you do. Oh, I was <laughs> Leave a piece. It's sprinkle? It's not sprinkle. It's not. It's not. Oh. It's not. Yeah. So um, running with Duran, actually. My knee got better. I didn't think it was going to be possible, but actually running that much, like one month we ran 75 miles in a month. Stupid. Very dumb. Yikes. (laughs) Obviously not dumb. It helped. (laughs) It did. Um, So I don't have to wear a brace on my knee anymore. Um, I still have asthma. That's, I don't think that's ever going away, but to the point now that if I'm not doing cardio, I don't need my inhaler to work out. I still will take it um, just in case something happens, but I have noticed like my lung capacity is better um let's see you feel that's attributed to the food or just like the the repetition of working out um i think just overall improve improving like my health just in general so not necessarily the food but just overall like i'm better me is better um i also have pcos um and so when i was in college coast stop oh (laughs) sorry Have y'all talked about that on here at all? No, but in other platforms. Okay. But I'd like to know more about PCOS. There's a brilliant documentary out by Shelby Kilgore. We'll put the link below. Called Remedy the Problem. Um, But yeah, so PCOS, I got put on pills senior year undergrad or whatever. Um, And they say a lot to fix PCOS. It's like if you lose weight, you'll be better and stuff like that. Um, I'm still on birth control for PCOS, but I am curious to see if me improving my health, if I could actually, if that changed some stuff around. So at some point I'm going to run some tests to see if things are better in that aspect, but I feel better. I don't really, I take supplements, but I don't really need them. Um, 
so like supplements that my trainer recommends, but I don't not on any like daily medication outside of the birth control for that. So, all right. So, what did you find most difficult about starting your fitness journey, even with your lifestyle as far as how you, what you eat, what you put in your mouth? Um, is there anything you would do differently with that journey? <laughs> um, He's so childish. <laughs> Uh, like I said, it, the working out part wasn't really hard for me. Uh, I'm a creature heavy, uh, but portion control. So like weekends, ah, boy, I try. I try to do really good. Um, I still have a cheap meal or two. Um, but yeah, I meal prep throughout the week. So that helps a lot. So when I go to work every morning, it's just a protein shake. And I make my lunch, have my dinner when I get home. So if I'm super tired, don't feel like cooking. It's already cooked for me. I do that on Saturdays and Sundays. You say so these things so casually, lot. like they're not difficult. Most of the world <laughs> struggles habit. with habit form. Habitual. That's okay. So I credit. <laughs> say it again, first. No, habitual. She's habitual. <laughs> so I credit grad school actually. So I didn't have to work. So I had that time to like I could meal prep whenever with grad school. And so I guess once I transitioned out of that grad school life, I still made sure I made that time on Sundays because I knew how helpful it was to just have food in the fridge. I ain't got to stop nowhere because I know I got food at home. Oh, you got food at home, for sure. I for be sure. having food at home. I understand. <laughs> Dalton, so what would you say is one major thing you learned about yourself from doing all of this? Um, so my weight still be going up and down. I noticed that when, like, when I actually do what I need to do food-wise, I can actually see the change. So, like, it's possible. So, as long I can, as long as I stay dedicated, I can. I know I can reach whatever goal I set, um, fitness-wise or life-wise. I just got to stay dedicated. Consistency is why people fail with fitness. Um, so, the gym is all good. Once, if I ever get my food together, like if I ever learn to like vegetables, I'd be a skinny naked hoe. Watch out now! <laughs> wow, out wow. In these streets. that's gonna be it. <laughs> We definitely plugging that somewhere. Skinny naked hoe. It's like a naked mo rat. Like just be out. Everything out. I would be remiss if I didn't transition a little bit into some of your black excellence on having, you know, obtaining your doctorate. What made you want to do a doctor degree and like did you always want it? When did you kind of know? Um, so I was always an overachiever. Like what made you want to be a teacher? Like all of that. Okay, so I'll start with the teacher part. Education runs, like, teacher-wise, runs in my family. My mom's a preschool teacher. She's been in the school system for probably 25 years now. The best. Shout that. out to mama. Shout out to my mama. She gonna watch this, I'm sure. Um, she loved Paris and she loved Lindsay. But, um, <laughs> Thank you. She, you're her favorite, Lindsay, I think, over Paris, which is wild. Because she met you, like, once, twice. It's crazy. I kind of had that effect. You do. But yeah, so she's teaching. My sister's a teacher. Um, she's a high school teacher. Got a cousin as a teacher. Um, my brother's not a teacher, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so education, it's sort of ingrained in us. Um, my mom never really pushed us as far going back to the PhD. Like she pushed us like as far as college went, you had to go to college, but you got to only go for one year. Um, see if you like it. That was her only rule with college or whatever. We all finished, of course. But um for me, I I think I knew, so I got into engineering because I was always good at math and science, so everybody was like engineering, whatever. Um, I think PhD was always a goal just because I was an overachiever. I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a professor until I got to a um, because we didn't have any women 
engineering professors until like senior year or whatever. Um, black women, yeah, until like I senior year. I can't even think of one. I had one in IE. IE, hmm. Yeah, computer engineering. And the computer science now, we had three, I had three black female professors in computer science, but none of them had a doctorate. And I'm like, Oh, I, I had thing. one, Dr. Bradley. Shout out to Dr. Bradley. Yeah, but that was like junior, senior year. Yeah, that um, was yeah. Super late. And so outside of her, she was it for engineering. Computer science, the three women we had, we were calling them Miss Brown, Professor this. We ain't calling them Dr. That. And I'm just like, that's dumb. We can do it too type thing. Um, so that was really my motivation so that students could see us, black females, in the classroom and know that it's achievable as well. Um, I knew I was going to have some tie to education, but I thought I would go like industry education at first. So building tools or something like that. Um, but then, yeah, auntie, I was like, ah, well, here I am. Um, <laughs> Professor Dr. Tiff. Um, K-12 education is still my heart, but the pay is not where it should be. So that's Amen. honestly, if, if I got Amen. paid what I get paid at a college to teach fourth graders, I would be teaching them right now. Um, For sure. But it's That's what's up. So my research looks at K through twelve education in the STEM space, so that I can still have that outreach, and I still work with a nonprofit that does. Um, so K through five, Marie's kids. It's out of. Um, it's based in Charleston, South Carolina, with some friends that I went to Clemson with. Um, so Check that down. does nonprofit educational um, outreach. And I do like youth stuff at, at school and stuff around the community type thing. Um, but yeah, so that's my tie to keep in with the K-12 that I love. So my dissertation was on middle school math education um, for black students. So, okay. Yeah. So speaking of, of that time and when you just decided like, hey, I'm going to get my PhD, let's say roughly 18 year old self, what is one piece of advice you would give that 18 year old Tiffany? Ooh. So freshman year, I was ready to go back home, to be honest. Mm. Uh, first half of freshman year. First time being away from home, I was not a fan. Uh, my roommate, bless her heart, uh, Dominique, uh, her twin came with her to A&T and like five other girls from high school. Um, so she always had friends, always from? had everybody around. Where's she from? <laughs> What's up? I knew that was a shameless plug. <laughs> like Dominique and Monique. But the, I, like she always had her friends and, and they were really, they were open and welcoming to me, but I, you know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to attach myself to their crew because they had their crew established or whatever. And so, um, I did my friend Imani, um, she went to anti too, but she was not an engineering. And so I just was like, Hey, this sucks. I don't want to be here. Yeah. It was all of a month. Um, <laughs> and I found the gossip choir and decided to stay, but 18 year old me, ah, what would I tell myself? She needs some advice, Tiff. Help her. I don't know. Because I've always been like, I always knew like, I was at least going to get my master's. Like going into ANT, I knew bachelor's was not going to be the end for me because I already had the overachieving mindset. Um, I think I wish I would have been a little more balanced or tried to be more open when I first got to ANT. Like I said, I went to class and that was it. Like to the point that I was ready to come home because I didn't really reach out and try to know nobody. Um, Thankfully, things did turn around or whatever. Sure but did. I don't know that, too. I did. I know. You didn't. <laughs> um, and I met you late. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just I should have been friends with Dominique and her crew freshman year. <laughs> so, 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 Dr. Smith, where did your overachiever yes. 
uh, ability or intrinsic value? Like, where did that come from? Because Listen, if I'm not mistaken, have you and a curse? Have you ever not gotten an A? Have you ever got? Let me tell you, got an A minus. In grad school, but listen, how she dare they? My perfect. Did how did y'all? How it was real yeah. stupid. It was so dumb. Like she, I was a tenth of a point away, and she was not gonna give me that extra point. To this day, if I see her, I would trip her up. That habitual. Her that, that habitual, because that's what she was. <laughs> but no, where did yours come from? Where did it like? I just don't, from birth. I don't know. It was always like that. Yeah, you feel like you like were in that, like, you were like that in childhood. Like, oh, if I oh, want to play this sport, I'm gonna overachieve in this sport. Or if I, or is it only grades? Uh good question. I mean, my mom let me do all the activities I wanted, so I know I was never a sports person. I played tennis, but then I went to show choir, so that was that. Um, but it, yeah, it's always been grades. It wasn't necessarily like my mom; she didn't have to push me type thing. I was the type of person to get my homework done before I come home, so. But I think I had a good balance. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. So I was never, I was never teased, right? I was the fun nerd. Like I had that balance because I had those activities on the side, but I also was smart. I would help people. I was never bullied, so it worked for me. All right. So with that being said, being that you've always been an overachiever, do you feel like you're mm-hmm. maximizing your potential? Like, do you feel like you are reaching the potential you set for yourself, or doing the best that you can? Do you still feel like you have goals that you want to accomplish? whether that be fitness or or life goals i do i do i did realize after ant that i was drained like that overachieving stuff i was like bro you've been doing it for too long um yes i still got my a's in grad school whatever but i was like i'm tired like (laughs) i'm tired of always having to be up here um and like i said nobody necessarily forced me so it was always an inner thing so it's not like Dad, I wish my mom would get off my back, stop pushing me, do this, that, and the third. She didn't care if I got a PhD or my bachelor's. Like I said, she said, go to college, try it one year, whatever. Um, so it was more of an internal battle with myself type thing. Like, people are still going to be proud of you. You're not letting anybody down. It's okay. Um, the one thing I wish I would have done after I, um, after I got my PhD was to break, take a break. But then the pandemic happened. So I'm sort of glad I didn't because I know people started having. Um, so I went to I went to work these um, fall of 2019 pandemic happened spring. So I say I would take a break, but then universities weren't hiring because of the pandemic. So everything happens for a reason. But I do wish I would have had that mindset of not having to be. Cause like I said, I started at Lincoln the same semester I defended. So I was both a student and a faculty member at the same time. So I haven't really had that chance to just be nothing <laughs> since the age of five. It's enjoyable. I ain't gonna lie. The ultimate student. You a lifer. You a lifer. Life the ultimate. You've been in school since five years old. Five. Yeah. Wow. It did not. In some it did capacity. Not stop. Yeah. So once That's I get so language. once I get tenure and I can get a whole little sabbatical, I'm taking it, and I'm you not should. gonna do. You should. Not gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to mention um back to like you said like goals and stuff. So, like, even now, it's less about me, like, pressure on myself to be doing all these great things. But now I feel like I have to make a way so that my students can achieve all these great things. Um, And I feel like some of the professors in our department, um, because they're not Black, they're not women, I feel like they come in to do their job. But I always have this extra nurturing spirit that I feel like I got to help everybody. Mm -hmm. It's a gift and a curse because I'd be tired. But I'm going to make sure these kids get interviews. I'm going to make sure they get these recommendation letters for school and stuff. 
but I need a balance to be like, let somebody else do it. But nobody's there to do it. So what's their name? Yeah. Call them out. I ain't calling nobody out till I get tenure. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't say nothing till I get that letter to say I'm good. So <laughs> Tiff, would you say you struggle with receiving compliments? And this is a question only because you seem to downplay a lot of your accomplishments here. Like, oh, shut up. Like, you talk, Who have you been talking you talk to? About this, you nah, talk I mean, about even this in this stuff, conversation, you talk about it like it's easy. You talk about this stuff. Like, it, it like again. It's a thing. It's, okay. It's, cra- it's crazy. So, so what's your favorite compliment? Like, when somebody says that to you, it brings you joy. It puts a smile on your face. It makes you think about, like, man, I am doing good or I, that felt good. What's your favorite compliment to receive? So it's not really a, I, I can see this compliment. Like one of my students last week was just like, thank you for going out of your way to make sure we have this type thing. Bright my day. So like, it's not even necessarily, and it's it was like, my thing is, I think because it doesn't take that much on my part. I mean, over time, yes, it absolutely drains me. But like in the moment, it doesn't take much for me to do it. So cool. But to see them being appreciative back when I feel like some of my coworkers or my colleagues don't, y'all ain't trying. I don't even know if y'all want me to be here half the time. So to get it from them, knowing that's what I came to this no this little HBCU <laughs> that nobody comes to. So seeing that they're appreciative, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm actually here for. God put me here for a reason. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So thug it out. Keep doing it, you know? So when someone kind of, do you feel like that's your purpose, ultimately? Like, Not necessarily Lincoln. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that, that concept in general is to uh, propel the young black African-American students of the world. I do think so. Like, even yeah. once I'm done, because I'm not going to be a, one of these 87-year-old professors still. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> but once I leave, like, the academy, I'm still going to be in education in some way or another. I feel like I've always been that type of person, whether it's being direct help, like, educational help, or just, like, encouragement, motivation. Because, like y'all said, I've, I've done it. Like, I've done a lot or whatever. Me downplaying it or whatever. Or whatever. But, like, I've done a lot. <laughs> I've done a lot. Period. Um, and I think because of my experience, I can help somebody. Like I've made it to the other end, so let me trust you. Um, trust me, you're gonna be there. Like you can get there. I'm gonna help you however you need to. I just gotta learn to help myself. I have a hard time asking for help, um, because I feel like I can do it on my own. But you know, help's a good thing. I talked about it in therapy when I was going, but stop. Shout out to therapy. <laughs> yeah, since you brought it up, what made you start going to therapy? And yeah. I want to sneak another question in there, which is, uh, and you might think it's related or not related. What is a generational trauma that you don't want to pass down to your kids if you have kids? But let's start with the therapy one first. Like you want the ex- the specific reason I went to therapy because it's very you can specific. Be as broad or detailed as possible. This, <laughs> this is on you. This like, I'm not. This I'm not is... pushing you for no. You can say I don't want to answer that. <laughs> okay, Everybody so. Everybody does. I fully believe it. Um, so I originally tried, was in therapy or tried to get in therapy in grad school, but it was a waiting list. That's how you know it was bad, right? <laughs> um, and so the generational trauma tied to that, not having a father around type thing. So that was my original reason. Um, me and him had a conversation. Didn't think I was healed from it, but I was in a much better place um, after I convinced my conversation with him that I stopped trying to get therapy while I was still in grad school. So... Fast forward to me coming here and meeting a, a young man um, who turned out to be complete trash, right? Um, complete trash. And he was a man of the cloth. So we'll leave that there. 
by Klee Trash, um, he happened to show his trashness um, the same week that my grandfather passed, right? Um, trash, right? So that was dark. Um, I was, I, that was probably my, I was depressed in grad school just because of the stress of grad school type thing. But this was probably another bout of small bout of depression because um, I didn't have that support from him that I thought I was going to have. My grandpa did. Um, and the drama that family, that comes from families when people pass, whether it be about money, people receiving stuff, whatever, all of that happened at one time. And so I was like, I need to talk to somebody. And so reached out. Um, I felt bad because the lady answered the phone was clearly a white woman. I was like, do y'all have black women therapists here? Uh, <laughs> so she connected me to one. Hey, you got to ask for what you want. <laughs> you do. And she was like, um, yeah. Because I used um, psychology today, if no one has ever used it. you They allow you to search by, they let you see that people like, for certain races, they'll therapy for races. If they believe in certain um, methods of therapy, you can filter stuff like that. So I found a black woman, but the white lady is wrong, whatever. So went to therapy. I grew a lot from it. Legit, the only reason I stopped, I had to reschedule for a work meeting and I never called back to reschedule. But I went for like a year and a half straight. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I went for like a year and a half straight. And she, like, she was the best. I really am glad that I got a black woman. Like, she would sometimes have blue hair, pink hair. Like, we could just shoot the shit. And it was great. Um, she offered me, we, we cycled back to my father. Um, we talked about that a lot. She gave me even more insight that I didn't know I needed. Um, me and him are cordial now. That didn't happen for about 20 years of my life. Um, so, yeah, therapy. It's the place to be, y'all. I've, I've grown a lot. I'm going to go back one day. Sure. You should. That's that's great. It sounds like it, it did a great deal of help in your life. That's what's up. So what do you do these days to recharge? Is that your church treasurer job or no. Um that's not recharging at fitness? all. At all. Is it fitness? I mean <laughs> it is. It's the gym. Um okay. so like I said, I'll go four or five times a week. Um I love Zumba. So I've been dancing since forever. Um, so doing Zumba is great. I go once, one or two times a week. I was there last night. Um, like I said, you got to focus on the dance moves. You got to focus on your muscles or whatever. So you can't focus on papers you got to grade, the paper you got to write. None of, all that goes out the window for an hour, hour and a half. So I need it four to five times a week. Yeah. That's what's up. That's good. So uh, we always try to ask that question about like what brings you peace, what brings you zen. It's super... Um, on time that joins us fitness uh we are promoting that this month where hopefully this interview with tiff encourages someone uh, to get in the gym to look at their diet be a uh, habitual go to therapy be a habitual yep yep that's we're gonna put be a habitual um, that's the title so you can be a skinny naked hoe so you can be a skinny naked oh <laughs> telling you we really appreciate your time um, you were fantastic. Is there anything else you would like to leave with someone to encourage someone? Talk to the little black girls trying to be a doctor like you. <laughs> Help somebody. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say this about grad school and being a doctor. I I start my spiel every year with my students. And I'm like, I'm gonna push y'all to go to grad school. But the PhD is not for the faint of heart. 
Um, you don't, I will say you do not have to be smart to get a PhD because you absolutely don't. Some of the, some of the people I know, okay, mm. uh, they ain't there, but it's all about literally, literally perseverance and consistency and dedication to it. Um, classes are done in two years. It's the research, just sticking to it and know things, you're going to have a lot of ups and more downs than ups. So just making sure you get back, um, up for those who want to do the PhD process. It's a journey. You're going to cry, but I'm a doctor. Look around. Look to your left. Look to your right. The person okay. next to you might not be here next oh, year. Oh, right. Yeah. Trevor did that mess. And all of the people I was sitting with, I don't know who I was sitting with, but I feel like we made it out. Trevor also told me I couldn't graduate in four years, but I was on scholarship and had Look to get out. Look at me now. Look at me now. For sure. Shout out to Trevor Taylor. Shout best academic Trevor. advisor in the world. For sure. You don't even do that no more. That ain't so sad. Oh, but to really, all the black babies, go do STEM. A lot of black kids don't like math, so that's why my dissertation is about math. Math, make math what you want it to be, as long as you view it in a different context, which I hope more uh, educators get into, like, my uh, work is culturally relevant education. Teach it so they can understand it in some kind of frame or filter. Um, next week, or week after next, actually, I'm doing another... Uh, a speaker series with um, the National Council of Women in Technology. This is my third time doing it, wow. talking to counselors for competing. Um, because a lot of times these black kids, I was fortunate enough to have a black counselor who was a, she reminded me of my mama. So that's why I was like, I'm gonna listen to you because you, you like my mama. And so luckily she went to HBCU. So she was encouraging and pushing people, but a lot of these kids don't have it. Um, so if you're interested, it's a lot of free stuff out there. So don't think even like can't afford college. I've told a few of my students, you are, you wasting money. If you're not going to pay attention to my class, um, take time, do what you got to do to support yourself, but you still can learn on the internet. Not saying don't go to four-year colleges cause I got to get paid. But if that is not an option for, I need my salary. I need to go to school, yes. but money, sometimes you can't afford it. There's a lot of free resources. Um, free code camp, code academy. Don't let it stop you. Start early. If your school don't have any computer science classes, I didn't learn a piece of code until I got the ante. And now I'm a whole PhD. Now, I ain't see a language until I walked into (laughs) Bullock's class freshman year. So don't think it's impossible if you haven't coded now. You can get there. I'm there. She did it. You can do it. Thank you for that, Dr. Tiffany Smith. You have been fantastic. Um, guys. This has been another Zen Trap chat. Link what? Link who? Oh, they don't do that. I don't think so. <laughs> Again, this has say. been another Zen Trap chat. I want to get two hosts here with OG. Zen P. And again, we had the great Dr. Tiffany Smith here today. Thank you again. If you can't do nothing else, protect your peace and protect your energy. It's the Zen Trap. We out. Y'all go follow Tiffany on Instagram at Whiffy's five two, is that your? No, it's oh. Whiffy's two seven. Wait, whatever. We'll have Whiffy's two seven. I really want to call. Yep. It. You don't even know it. <laughs> you don't even know. It.